Lawrence. I feel this is my lucky day, March 23rd. Oh, no, your lucky day is the 24th. What do you mean the 24th? It's 1.30 already. It's morning. Yes, and what a lovely morning. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning. Hey everybody, welcome to another Bald Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. And I am your host, Cecily, and this is not just another Bald Movie Podcast. No, this is the podcast where we introduce you to a little concept that Cecily and I call Singing in the Rain Day. And it's from the movie, the 1952 movie, Singing in the Rain, and you just heard the portion of the movie that we referenced, or where, where Don finds out his favorite day is actually March 24th. His lucky day. His lucky day. And uh, we just passed that this weekend, and it's something that we've been doing every year, is watching Singing in the Rain. Um, and on we figure we do this uh, as a career, so why not <laughs> actually yeah. do a podcast about yeah. something so is, we celebrate every year? This is Bring our, first, our joy to you. First public observation of International Singing in the Rain Day. Observed. Observed. So 19, uh, this is a, uh, a, a it's, it's the best Hollywood musical of all time. Uh, widely you, regarded as the, yeah, if you, the favorite. If you see, uh, if you saw La La Land and you loved it. Then this You're is the movie. Asshole. This is the movie that makes La La Land look like a piece of shit. This is the reason why I was. Pro- I probably would have enjoyed a La La Land if so many of the reviews I read favorably compared it to Sing in the Rain. I was expecting Sing in the Rain, and I got. I I, I got amateur hours. Singing but in the to rain. be fair to La La Land, La La Land, I think was a was a great movie. I liked watching it, but going in there with the expectation that it was two days uh singing in the rain yeah that's not that's yeah. this isn't something you can do this isn't something that's going to be a two day that you can't do this every decade and update it this is a timeless movie right and it's um it you stands can, alone. every every person that comes in front of a microphone and screeches into it you can't compare them to you know whitney houston you, you have to that, that's that's a strong comparison that's what they did but you know what i feel like we we're coming into this joyful movie with a bunch of anger in our hearts we're picking fights with a bunch of people we're throwing wild punches at oh, la la I land br- i brought it back i brought it back uh and <laughs> the reason we love this movie is because it is like bottled joy it puts you in a good it's mood. It's never not good. The stakes are fun, and they are like enough to keep you interested, but not enough to stress you out. And everything's very droll and romantic and funny. And it's very inside. There's, um, it's poking fun at its own its own industry. Right. It's it, very tongue in cheek, and it, 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 at some at a lot of points, it speaks directly to the audience. I yeah. feel like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very like um, it, it, it's you know this is 1950s Hollywood looking back at its transition from the silent cinema to silent movies to the talkies and thinking, wow, what a crazy time that is. Let's hire Gene Kelly to take all of these old music hits from all of our other hit musicals and put them together into a jukebox and make some amazing choreography. Uh, and 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 get him up there and have people throw us money, right? And I've got I've got some thoughts on that about the transition into talkies. If you're interested in some yeah. MGM studio background, yeah. Um, 
I feel like we need to pitch this movie for people because, like, ever yeah. anyone that's seen this movie is going to immediately know why we're doing a podcast if on it. Those weren't good enough reasons that we just gave you. Here's some more. Yeah, like if if we're trying to get Jim Jones to watch his first ever musical, with, has he never seen this movie? No, he's not. Okay, uh, we will have to draft him into our second annual. But I know who my my general audience is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who how how do we get a gym or anyone who's maybe not not hostile to musicals and feeling things? How do you get them into this movie? If you appreciate a uh, a movie that is kind of way ahead of its time in the time period that it's in that's that still looks timeless and the story holds up and and is also something that is endlessly quoted but mm. not overly quoted mm. like princess bride could mm. be a little grating if you've heard you know those kinds of quotes or monty python for instance singing in the rain you know the songs but you don't know the story and um, it, a lot of people didn't know the story going into it mm -hmm. when they were making the movie. Right. Um, it's just, it's, it's something that like you, like you said, it's endless joy. It's, it's something that you can't not love. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's got so many great, especially if you get a nice copy on Blu-ray or I'm sure if, you know, you got the, any of the top shelf streaming services would give you a very nice copy of this film, but it's got so much color and the set design is so inventive, and it's kind of like, okay, uh, Gene Kelly is to musicals the way Jackie Chan is to Kung Fu. Like, his use is, is natural athleticism, his grace, his use of props, his use of com weaving the comedy and drama it's into the dancing. It's effortless. They're the everyman. You see yourself in that person's shoes, right. even though you could never do that in a million right. years. And, and he makes it look so easy like he goes from like tapping to charleston the jitterbug to waltz ballet, to even, even like will bust jazz. a ballet in the middle of a uh he'll he'll throw tap dance into a serious piece and he'll throw ballet into like a kind of a joke scene uh just so versatile it's it's like it's, it's one of those things where it's like you you just you're even a person that knows nothing about this genre can instantly see his performance and that of Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds um, uh, and say, oh, I am, this is, I'm watching an artist work. It's the passion, the dedication to the craft. You can see it in his face. Right. It may be the hardest thing he's ever done, but right. his face is telling me that this is his, the, his most favorite thing he's ever done. Yeah. And he's so passionate about being in that moment, and he sells it on the screen. And yeah, yeah. Also, just for your know, purient interest, everyone in this fucking movie is f gorgeous. Like Gene everyone. Kelly is the most handsome man who's ever rolled off the assembly line. Debbie Reynolds is the freshest, chubby cheekedest eighteen going on nineteen year old. Do you know how winsome? princess leia was in like the first star wars movie where she's just plucky and full of grit and she's pert and she just like storming through the <laughs> and and picking up guns and shooting it okay this is her mom at the exact same age and she's in a musical with gene kelly uh just dancing her heart out and being just so yeah tenacious. just completely thrown off the deep end she's 19 in this movie mm -hmm. she'd never had a, a big dance she was a before. gymnast never danced right so she had the physique and the the command over her physicality but just no training and right. like this is the equivalent of like christian bale going from beer gut to batman 
or you know, or what was that one movie American Psycho to the Machinist yeah like like this the the amount of training and and just hard like some of those stories you hear about uh, her shoes being full of blood her going home Sid Cherise said she went home crying every night yeah because her she was in so much pain because she was just busting her ass to keep up with one of the all-time greats it's and a courage it's kind of like Kurt if you think Kurt Schilling's bloody sock in the World Series is courageous, then, you know, Debbie Reynolds needs a purple fucking heart for this yes, movie. Yes, yes. And then, you know, finally, Gene Hagen uh, as the villain is just one of the funniest. Like, it's amazing how well... We didn't talk about Donald O'Connor. Oh, I kind of... I threw him off some, some okay. uh, offhand praise. But let's... Uh, Jean, um, she's very beautiful and she's a very good actress. And she is putting on the performance of a lifetime as this like blonde ditzy person gr- with a grating voice. Right, and it's a hard thing to do as an actress yeah. because you you get concerned that this is going to be a big part for you, and then right. you're going to be this woman who can't sing and can't act and can't talk. But that was just a character you're playing. Yeah. And she was under contract, so they very well could have saw that that worked for her, and that's the character she plays for the n- next four years of her contract. Right. And it was, um, it was something that she really, she really threw herself into. Yeah. And, and pays I, off so well. It does, and it's like a very, I think, another kind of a selfless performance because you know, if you're, you're, you're. You have to. It's there's a certain vulnerability to being a character that that's just kind of buffoonish and hateable, you know. Like you, right, it's kind of like the same way Jack Leeson with uh, Prince Joffrey. Like you have to really not give a shit. You have to really not give a shit about your own like self image. Versus you got to sacrifice that to the performance. And and I imagine in the 1950s it was even scary to do that. Right, and if for a they- starlet. Right. If there are anti-heroes, she's the anti-villain. And that is, she's supposed to be the villain, but there's so many times when she's so cute and lovable. Like when she's, she's so stupid about the, 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 the mic set up on her chest and, you know, when, when the guy points at her chest and says the, the microphone's here, see, and she pulls it out and she's like, yeah. And he says, yes, that's it. And she gets a smile on her face like a puppy who's just got something right. Or, you know, when they come out of the the Dueling Cavalier premiere and she's like, I liked it. You know, it's just hard to hate her in those moments. Yeah, you know, she's like an always sunny character. Right. Because she'll do just shitty things, but she doesn't really know any better. In her own self-interest. And, and, you know, she does some very shitty things because she's got, you know, all the right powerful lawyers and agents telling her these are the moves you take. Yeah. But, yeah anti-villain um so i wholeheartedly recommend this movie i will say it is made in 1952 there are some attitudes and behaviors that i do not endorse you will not find a single person of color anywhere you will find several men in blackface uh filming a backstage jungle jungle tarzan movie yes uh and and those things that remind us of uh how far we've come and how far we must go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta put that caveat out there. But there's there. nothing. I mean, it's it's tame for yes. these time periods. You know, yeah. no women get slapped. Uh, no one, no one, <laughs> woman gets abused. There's some hands laying on, a lot of grabbing of the upper I did, arms of yeah, women. Yeah, I did notice after our twenties. That's just how you watching, say hello. Yeah. yeah, that's just just how you said hello. That's how back you just then. gotta get the woman to pay attention. But, yeah, yeah. Um. The gentleman never slaps. He grabs by the upper arm and shakes just to make Sh- sure he has the, the silly woman's attention. Get the attention. point across. Right. Right. As otherwise, the flippity gibbets, what are they going to do? 
Um, okay, I want to talk about some brief MGM history because yes, how this movie got made. This movie was made as an afterthought. This movie got made. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Okay, so MGM, their first full-fledged talkie was in 1929. Mm -hmm. This movie was 1952, as you said. So this movie was kind of poking fun at MGM's inception of the talkie itself. Sure. And how that went. They were one of the last uh, studios to get into talkie movies. Right. When they did, their first full-fledged talkie... Mm -hmm. Musical and Technicolor Picture Mm -hmm. was released in 1929, won the Academy Award for Best Picture of the Year. Huh. And that movie was called The Broadway Melody. Ah. So you will see in this movie, The Wedding of the Painted Doll, the Broadway Melody is a song that he starts in the Technicolor, Mm -hmm. uh, the hoofer sequence at the end. Right, right, right. And You Were Meant for Me. Hmm. Those are all from the Broadway musical. Gotcha. The 1929 version, which I thought was really interesting. Um, MGM had a really, really rough history, but Mm. this producer, Arthur Freed, made... Freed unit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's they, actually what it was called. The, this, yeah. this musical department headed by yeah. This apparently, Freed, MGM was unit. mostly tanking as a studio, mm. except that Arthur Freed and the MGM musical uh-huh. uh, lot mostly right. acted as their own independent unit. Mm. Uh, so, in 1939, that year, they released both The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, mm. uh, and they had all of these like stars under contract like mickey rooney and judy garland right uh uh fred astaire um and yeah, and the, the stars 19- all banked up see <laughs> yeah and then in the 1950s when singing in the rain came out they had on the town which is the one with uh frank sinatra uh-huh. uh where gene kelly taught frank sinatra how to dance baseball <laughs> right um oh right right uh an american in paris have you seen that i haven't See, I need okay. to get. Uh, we watched a documentary on Singing the Rain, and I walked away with, like, I need to see at the minimum American in Paris and Anchors Away. Uh, Anchors Away, which is the cute one with Jerry yeah, the Mouse. Yeah, he's dancing with Jerry the Mouse. Uh, seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Uh, Sid Singing in the Rain. American in Paris, that year, 1951, they won six out of eight Academy Awards. Wow. So, Gene Kelly, so this how this wraps back into Singing in the Rain is that. I guess some of the commentary we were hearing on when we watched the Blu-ray was that Gene Kelly was giving Singing in the Rain half of his attention. Right. This full attention at American in Paris. Yeah. Won all the awards for American in Paris Uh and made this incredible Singing in the Rain musical, which is the best musical of all time, as most people say. Didn't win any... Oscars only got nominated to one for Gene Hagen's performance as the shrill Lena Lamont and the yeah. other as for its its sound track, which is funny that like you'd think that'd be the shoe in, but right. it's no, they got denied. And right. now it's like in almost yeah. everyone's consensus top 10 best movie period. It's ours at least. Oh yeah. For oh yeah. Sure. Like I said, this is, this is like uh audio visual heroin for me. Mm-hmm. It just like, it turns, uh, I, we watch it several times a year. We love watching it where we just fast forward to our favorite parts. Like right. this is a pretty brisk hundred minute film. Yeah. And you can turn it into like a 45 minute, uh, slapper right especially especially if you're just having a rough day and you want to you want a little pick me up i don't need the story i don't need to see don's uh turn from hoofer to stunt man to leading leading silent man i don't need to see all that (laughs) i just want to see uh all day uh, all all day damn it yeah damn it 
Uh, okay. Do you want to talk more history? Or do you want to talk about That's our favorite it. scenes? That's there, all I got. We have, there's 11 primary songs slash numbers in this film, and we have ranked them all. We have not told each other what they've ranked. We've never discussed this before. We as a couple are going to find mm-hmm. out our our personal top 11 lists. Uh, Cecily, you go first. What is your 11th favorite singing in the rain scene slash segment of, of the movie? Number 11. Top 11. Top 11. Okay, so for all, at of, 11. for all of those following at home that pause the podcast to make their top 11 list first, yeah, yeah, know that two of those numbers include Lucky Star, which is not a full number, and Would You, which is not a full number. Right. So that's how we got to that number 11. Pause again, make your list, and here we go. <laughs> number 11, You Were Meant For Me. That's my number 11, too. It's a great... It's so beautiful. I love it. I love the fans. I love the right. setting. It's a perfect Don Lockwood way to say he loves you, yeah. but it's... And their, their tap dancing number, I love it. Uh, Debbie yeah. Reynolds' arms have never looked more strong or, f- or feminine and, yeah. and and slim at the same time, uh-huh. um, but it's, it's number 11 for me. Yeah, and it's for all the reasons you said, like... La La Land's best musical number is approaching this scene's quality because it's just a laid back, you know, Don and Kathy kind of had this meet cute, which is actually meet shitty. And <laughs> they've found each other. Meat and it's, cake, you mean? Yeah. And of meat cake. They've uh, a sweet meat, a meat sweet. And they've made amends and they've confessed his love for each other. Or at least Don's kind of doing it in his own cinematic way. It, it's fine. It serves a storytelling purpose. But and it's this isn't bad. It just all goes up from here. It's yeah. just like this is one the most likely to be skipped over if we're in, you know, we really want to get the heroin into our main <laughs> All right. Number 10. You go first. OK. Uh, would you. So this is part. Interesting. This is the part where um, in this movie. uh it, it it this this movie is based of of course like on the silent stars trying to make this really tough uh transition to the talkies and i guess one of the real life problems is a lot of these actors were foreign and they sometimes didn't speak any english at all or sp- spoke very heavily accented english which of course didn't come across in the silent movies but were was a source of amazement and difficulty of understanding when they did the the, the talkies so this kind of like Lena character is supposed to harken back to these people at these rough transitions. And they've come up with the scheme that they're going to have Kathy played by Debbie Reynolds, who has a very sweet singing voice, dub over all of her, her lines. So this is the post production. It's a contrast between Lena on set doing the, would you, would you, and, and Debbie, Kathy smashing it. What I, I guess to me, I thought this is pretty a sappy song. It's 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 well, it's very sto- just purely storytelling. There's not any kind of like art to it. Um, well, for me, it was. I thought "Would You" was beautiful because that's the scene where you get Don Lockwood looking at Kathy Selden. Yeah. In the most romantic way possible. Yeah. No, uh, get you a man who looks at you the way Gene Kelly looks at Debbie Reynolds when she's singing Would You into a microphone. Yes. And I think Holy this, shit. this song is gorgeous. That's one of it's one of the songs that always I find playing in my head over and over after you watch the movie. That's one of uh-huh. the ones that sticks and I sing in the shower, things like that. I just think it's it's so romantic and beautiful. Funny thing about that song though uh-huh. is 
Debbie Reynolds didn't sing it either. Yeah. <laughs> so they had they got this. Uh, I think her name her, Betty something uh-huh. who did the original recording, and then Kathy Selden is lip syncing her. They CNC Music Factory her doing the yeah it's it's a it's a real mind bender but yeah I don't I don't get well I mean because I, I feel love like it. Debbie just... Reynolds can do that perfectly fine oh absolutely I mean it Did... wouldn't be this type of like this is uh but the thing is Debbie Reynolds didn't sing before yeah the this movie either yeah. so I'm thinking maybe they wanted that that very operatic right. sort of Someone like time period yeah. it, it works well with what you see on screen at the yeah. end of the finished product of the movie was supposed to yeah. be yeah not the kathy but i'm talking about the like black and white dueling cavalier right that voice over lena yeah, works yeah, yeah, really yeah. well um and i do i will say that visually i love every time that they fade in from like the true silver screen like black and white process, like the, the the how how really truly beautiful some of that like black and white white work, and when it dissolves from color to that and back, it's like that's kind of a neat effect. It really is. Um, okay, so that's my, my number, 10. number ten. Are you ready? Yes. My number ten. Buckle on in. the list of Saint in the Rain songs. All right. Number ten. Coming Lucky in. Star. Lucky Star. Okay, that's my number nine. So far, no surprises. <laughs> it's going pretty chalk. So Lucky Star for me was interesting because apparently Debbie Reynolds had a uh, solo that was cut for yeah, a time or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that where she got a full rendition of it. Yeah. I really love this because that's another one of those lines that gets stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. The, I was starstruck. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. But uh, yeah, not it was like two bars. So I put it at the very bottom. Yeah. The the thing is, is like, it's not the stuff going around. This is really interesting and or fucked up because what they do, I'm not sure which is more cruel. <laughs> the fact so that you use bad. your girlfriend as a pawn in your ultimate revenge scheme against Lena. Couldn't they have tied her in? She was backstage with them. Like, you Kathy, know, get in here. Let's, and, and let's I never talk thought, about this. I, I never thought about this. Till I saw the documentary. These two old Hollywood film producers are arguing. I can't remember what their names are, but they're arguing about this. And he's like, you know, the one thing is like, I was thinking about that Lena girl. Like, what does she do after this? I feel like Kathy. no, 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 Lena, because he was talking about like if, if Lena was oh, humiliated, Lena. like like she's found dead in the hotel room within three days, right? Yeah, yeah. She, of some she kind of massive hotel, overdose. She overdosed. She slits her wrist. She's like, Oof. I mean, it's like it's a comedy, Dark. so you don't think about that. And she is like Elaine from Seinfeld, shitty. But they publicly eviscerate her career. But like the thing is, she's still. She's still under contract, so it's not That's like true. they can't not work her. That's true. They're forced to, you know. That's mm. true. Um, they spin. But no. I, I, <laughs> Lena but, but hires then, but, someone to kill Kathy. Right. But then uh... Kathy, like, she's so traumatized. She's running out, like, after after they pull the scam, she runs off, tears streaming, and Don's like, stop that girl. And he doesn't say it. He says it in a way of kind of like, you know, get her, tie her up, detain her. <laughs> Take her to where we put the rough off the suffragettes, suffragettes, you know, it's, it's, and she's just like tears streaming down. Like, what have I done? And everyone just complies. Everyone complies. Strong men come and grab and, and, and more arm grabbing and shaking. Just listen. This man on the stage is yelling for you. Half a dozen men. Do you understand? Yeah. They, they, they shake a sister hearing. It's fucking, but it's fucking crazy. You can't deny the effectiveness of the arm shake. It it doesn't, it doesn't bring you down because you get the idea that these are all good men oh, 
these 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 guys know the proper number. No, I can't. It's it's it's, it's is getting this is getting yeah. regressive. This is a reason why it's number nine. Number uh, nine. My turn. Uh, yes, because that was my number nine. Oh, I thought we were doing a back and forth thing. We are, but like you just keep on, uh, you keep on. Uh, being I should one. have gone first for number nine then. Well, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you're nine. <laughs> What's your nine? Um, what was your number nine? Lucky star. Oh, I see. I see. I see what yeah, happened yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh. my number nine is also. Wait a second. Lucky star, Gene Kelly. You are a dapper motherfucker. This oh, whole film. Oh my god. But fuck you for that final outfit you're wearing in front of that billboard. The golf Who outfit? Who dressed this man? Debbie Reynolds was on point with this the lightning shit. strike sleeveless sweater, and you match her with this garbage golf outfit? You look like the Scrooge McDuck arch... Not Scrooge McDuck, his arch nemesis, Glomgold. Scrooge that's, McFuck? That's the outfit in a baby blue uh, tartan pattern. What the fuck? Pattern. That didn't even fly at the end of a 1952s movie. Uh, you, nope. but, but it, it, there's, you're, you're, he's serving looks all movie long. This is the first one that didn't, didn't do it for me. Right. All right. On to you. Number nine, Broadway Melody. <laughs> all right. That's my number Ocho. Yeah. So let's talk about Broadway Mel- Melody. All right, why so why can't I say Melody? Melody. I got me- it. Melody. I got it back. Broadway Melody. So this. Ah, oh, this is interesting. This, this is a fun one. Yeah. So this is uh, around in this part of the movie. Um, they're trying to figure out, like, they're pitching RF on the idea, and they're you know because the whole idea is they take this dueling cavaliers sword sword picture, sword romance picture, and mm-hmm. they're turn it into a musical. And they do this by like they're having his young hoofer, and he's reading tale tale of two cities, right? And he like slips on a banana peel and hits his head, and he he dreams that he's back in this revolutionary France. So they're doing all this, and this is supposedly going to be the glue. That kind of tells like that that young hoofer how he gets into it. But honestly, okay, uh, this montage first, you can make an argument that it doesn't even really belong in the movie. Like it, it kind of takes away like trying to do this fantasy scene that lasts like fifteen minutes to try to pitch the scene to your boss. If you just cut that out, you keep it, it. You keep all the momentum that's going with the Don and Kathy mm-hmm. uh, storyline that kind of like craters when you get to the scene. However, having said that, I mean I don't know how you feel about that, but like this as a standalone just piece of filmmaking is amazing, and I would hate to not have seen it. Right. But it's like a weird. Tr- it's like a tr- weird extended scene from a, a completely unrelated movie. Yeah, absolutely. Which it kind of is. It's it's an unrelated scene from the Dueling Cavaliers, not Singing in Rain. Yeah, I, I would watch a full length feature of that. Oh sure, I would love to see the Dancing Cav- the Cavalier. Yeah, that would be fucking amazing. The whole thing. Yeah, if this movie is made today in in the era of Blu-rays, they absolutely would have shot like twenty minutes of additional footage and 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 strung that together, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? That'd be great for the special features. Yeah. Um, uh, favorite parts of this scene. I, <laughs> I mean it's the it's the so I love here, the here, moving walkway, which I guess was kind of like a finale, hmm, yeah, type of thing. I, yeah. I wasn't. I was trying to see if I recognized any uh, recycled faces from earlier in the movie hmm. where they had all the people dancing in the scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't see any of that. Yeah, um, I think that the standout scene here is the dance, uh, the interpretive dance between uh, the hoofer and the gangster mall. And yeah. this is kind of like the the scene that sold me on interpretive dance. 
Right. You know, because I've always liked show tunes. You know, I've been yeah, I, I've I've always been a big fan of show tunes and singing and dancing. But whenever they stop the dance singing and it's this long like five minute dances of people prancing around and making swan movements at each other, I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. But this. I felt like it is the actual point of interpretive dance, which is to tell a story with an entirely different language. And Absolutely. this one actually like tell, like, I mean, like I feel like I get every little thing that's supposed to be gotten in this performance with the way. And, and it's just amazing from a technical perspective where the guy in the casino, like that casino melts away and it turns into this like Mount Olympus cloud situation. Yes. And, her wedding dress or whatever that is turns into this billowing Crazy scarf. Girl. And yeah, they talked on the DVD about, or the commentary about how many like synchronized fans and wind tunnels and stuff it took to get like that, uh, sh- that train, that shawl to float in the, the like, like precise, CGI. like turning of fans, you know, you had to turn the sideways yeah. fan, then turn on the, the, the upwards fan. The one when it goes straight to up. To the beat of the music. And yeah. Instead of perhaps having an orchestra in the house. Right. I don't know. Right. And then how I, hard that would have been. I read a, pe- um, uh, uh, a piece of film criticism today that talks about this. And they said that like, you know, Fred Astaire's major contribution other than the fact that he's Fred Astaire, is that he insisted on full frame, full torso dancing. Like, you have to see our feet and our faces, and it can't just be, like, the romantic from the waist up. You have to see, like, you know, people, that's the exciting part of dancing. Right. And because he put the emphasis on dancing first, he really didn't, he wanted the camera to be locked, like a, like an audience in front of a, an actual dance. Yeah. Where Gene Kelly, his innovation was, let's make the camera a dance partner. And you see this in Broadway Melody where, like, the it's it's not just time with all these crazy long takes on this, uh, this set with the wind tunnels and all that. But the camera is also has to move it a certain way to catch all that stuff and hit the mark. Right. And, and it makes it just so much more dynamic and interesting to look at. Absolutely. Um, and Sid Charisse. Mm-hmm. The longest legs in the world. Longest legs in the world. <laughs> uh, she just had a baby. She did. What is it? Two months before she went back to this, and, and in the commentary, she says, "You know, back in the day, we had this. She's basically right, had like to keep this she, hush, 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 hush. Like you know, starlets wouldn't get pregnant. They would just take a vacation to Europe for a couple of months and then come back and do okay, do stomach crunches. For the just next gave six her weeks. baby a bit of Benadryl and then went to shoot her scenes. <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying she's a bad mother, but it was just it just it was a hard time for women." All the time. But the other thing that back the, then, especially, it had to have been tough. The other thing that uh, Stanley Donnan pointed out in the commentary is that um, you know one of the brilliance of of Gene Kelly is that uh, Sid Charisse is actually taller, especially in heels, than he than he is. Right. And he pointed out that like their entire scene is everything's everyone's slightly kind of crouchier um, to kind of sh- to hide that difference in, in in height and make the you know keep him having the, well, I mean, the taller, the way, more striking, more that's masculine. The incredible pose. thing about Gene Kelly is yeah. he, he did the choreography, so All he did it. it that way. Yeah, to make her always have that kind of, but he's still so powerful in the scenes too. Yes, and the way that he, uh, you know, Sid Charisse was talking about how. In ballet, men are taught to lift women a certain, a certain uh, feminine or effortless way. But, yeah. you know, Gene Kelly would just toss you up in the air because he was so strong and you're yeah. there. And it's just a different yeah. kind of thing that I, I don't that I don't think I will. 
She, I've she ever seen sound, again. She made it sound really fucking sexy. It, and well, she, it really is sexy. And it was, it, while you're watching this yeah, scene, yeah, and you just see her kind of like he just like t- like pull, pulls on his her arm like he's setting a, a hook on a fishing rod, and she just flies into the air and collapses into him. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I also really like the Zigfield Follies part. Gene Kelly doing his his best top hat Fred Astaire yes. with the cufflinks and the kicks like it's so fucking cool it's so cool it's so amazing I, I really <laughs> I really like that it's amazing um, okay um, uh, yeah that's all I have for that so is it my number ocho now it's your number ocho I have a feeling this oh is... you know speaking of sexy I can't yeah. I, I cannot end this podcast without also pointing out the part where Sid Charisse does the kick at at Gene Kelly during the green dran- yes. dance, green dress dance, uh-huh. and it just he throws his head back and it tosses his Knocks hat off. His hat right off. So amazing. Very good. Yeah, uh, the whole seduction scene where you know he's got his glasses on and then she kicks him off. Like it's it's so cute. Yeah, it's so cute. That, that young hoofer had no defense against. No, he did not know the he Death was... Star that is Sid Charisse's <laughs> super long legs. Number eight, beautiful girl. That's my number seven. Oh, okay, okay. I see. I don't I actually don't know what's happening here. I, what's happening is I think we've got the exact same order, except for you put "Would You" way higher, so we're going to be one off. Okay. But yeah, beautiful girl. <laughs> You're a striking figure. This is enough. Can we talk about these styles? Okay. Yes, and the the tonal whiplash of this scene. So there's so many amazing things because this thing is set in 1952. But this guy. <laughs> He is this alpha Nazi poster boy, Teutonic blonde, muscular butch, singing about all these with a train of beautiful women and how they're got the lips that were made to kiss. And And you're over sweet 16. And all the girls kind of go, ooh. And I'm like... So so that's like, okay. All right. All right, caveman. You're fucking all the barely legal... Uh, probably the mom and dad yeah. had to sign sign rights over hotties in the day. But then in the middle of this thing, a fashion show breaks out. Mm-hmm. And he goes from Butch to Tim Gunn in like three outfits. He's like, you know, and when it comes to furs, honey, madam, <laughs> dame fashion says diet. diet. It's like, it's so fucking hilarious. The the juxtaposition uh, of all this yes. crazy ass cultural stuff um, that 1950s just like pretended none of this, none of this. We don't understand any of this. Right, right. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, there's some great, some great descriptors that I'm going to start throwing into my, my everyday vernacular, you know? Uh-huh. Oh, when I like if I see a friend gets a haircut, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna say, "Oh my gosh, that haircut's gonna get such loud applause!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tweed jacket's going to start a riot. Yeah, what do they say about the monkey fur? Is that uh, the one that starts a riot? Uh, oh, oh, I wrote, I wrote cloak or, monkey fur drama. Oh, adds a adds a, uh, adds a, a dash of drama. Adds a dash of drama. <laughs> And this tennis this this tennis jacket will really make them cringe. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, that was cringe has really evolved lately, especially. Yeah, I guess. I uh, guess. Your dinner dress is gonna drip with fringe. I love mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh you can never be too modest at the beach or pool. Mm-hmm. Uh which looked awful. I love the the you'll never guess the things you can hide in these sleeves. Oh yes. That's a that's a favorite of mine yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summertime it's organdy. Mm. 
Um, Gotta keep it cool. When you wear black, the judge will be impressed. But uh, you always wear white to a wedding if you want to be well dressed. <laughs> yeah, it's and preceding this is this wild visual montage of because like they're selling the point that the talkies like you know the the production company owner has dismissed talkies as vulgar and stupid and flash in the pan and he's kept on kept on on. Meanwhile, the jazz singers come out and everybody's making these talkies and they just give this like acid trip compositing of guys shouting in a microphone and toy soldiers dancing and legs kicking and sequins and it's yeah it's sensory over it was amazing um but uh it's uh it's uh pretty good plus this is the scene also where uh don finds out that lena got kathy fired for putting a pie in her face yeah and it's some of the best like connecting scenes because them doing the pantomime of their romantic dialogue as they're just spitting venom at each other. Yes. Thre- it's kind of like the, the Ron Burgundy Veronica courting style. Like you're a, you got a pirate hooker mouth. And <laughs> yeah. It's all well, rolling credits. It's so, so fucking good. Um, yes. so yeah. All right. Uh, shall we go with number six? Oh, were you number seven or number seven for you? Am I ever going to, can I predict? Uh, let yes. Me, let, let me give you my number six, just so I can jump jump ahead. Fit as a fiddle and ready for love. That's my number seven. I knew it. There we go. I knew it. Okay. Uh, so this is the scene where it leads up. It's you're on the carpet with Don, Koss, and Lena at the very beginning of the movie, where he gives his, his speech about uh, how he got to his career, a.k.a. dignity. Always dignity. <laughs> um, and then, as you said, it's fit as a fiddle is the is the marquee song here. Let's talk about it. Uh, I love this. It wasn't. I don't think it was until one of our last watches that I pointed out to you mm-hmm. that each of their like ev- evolving scenes that it was the same song, but it was played in a different style, like vaudeville, and this mm. one's like harmonica, and this mm-hmm. style was uh, uh, violin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, it keeps on coming back. Um, I love how. I love how people are like audibly and visibly disappointed at Casa's arrival at the red carpet. <laughs> oh. uh, I love Casa's face in the background every time uh, Gene Kelly says "dignity," always dig because he's like, "Oh Jesus!" Yes. Um, and can I give a shout out to the guy who screams at Zelda when she shows up on the red carpet? Yeah, whoa, Zelda, whoa, yeah. Zelda. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's some quality mugging, yeah. rub- rubber face mugging, dude. <laughs> um, I also love the silent movie footage montage of whatever came before the da- the dueling cavaliers because it's both clearly a parody and a love letter of the these silent movies. Because I'm thinking. Imagine before these movies came along and no one had seen anything like you're going to see sword fights and people being punched through windows and people are getting stabbed and things are blowing up and there's train wrecks. And like, I mean, there's a reason audiovisual entertainment is the apex predator of entertainment. Like, you know, once it came along, uh, radio and silent pictures and books could just go fuck themselves. Right. Oh, yeah. They still have their admirers. Sure. But it's the dominant, just just like, you know, a coyote can get a meal. It doesn't say that the Kodiak bear is not top dog in, in the North American forests. Right, exactly. For an oddly specific regional <laughs> food pyramid. Exactly. Uh, so, because, of course, grizzly bears diet exclusively coyotes. 
They dine exclusively on coyotes. Little known fact. If they can't find coyotes, they will do nuts and berries, but they prefer <laughs> prefer, coyotes. prefer wild coyote. Oh, I gotta have uh, that coyote flesh. So, so the fit is the, the main vaudeville routine because there's a bunch of stuff like them as kids dancing for tiddlywinks and nickels and stuff, and the gangster parlor is a hoot. But their vaudeville routine with the green checker striped suits is like an early. An, an early indication of what you're in for in this movie. Right. Because it's Bravo dancing, but insane prop comedy. The synchronization they do with these fiddles yeah. and uh, the strenuousness of the dance and the effortlessness this... and joy that's being th- portrayed is just crazy. Right. And the synchronization that's yeah. happening. Yeah. One thing that the, the, the Donald um, O'Connor pointed out in the commentary is that um, Gene Kelly essentially choreographed to more like because donald had his more broad comedic style yeah he was in vaudeville yeah yeah where gene kelly is like he's not a fred astaire type but he definitely had this kind of like grace and and masculinity and power and he actually kind of hammed up and and punched up and cheesed up the the uh the performances and uh the dance style to kind of more suit uh donald and i guess they just love dancing together like, it's like, you know, when two professionals meet. It looks like they're having the most fun. Yeah. And, like, the Gene Kelly also, like, It's thought, like Killer Mike and LP meeting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the Gene Kelly, I guess, like, is famous for, like, not being able to keep a straight face whenever Donald's doing his shit. Yeah. And he does a lot of shit in this movie. Yeah. Um, he's 90% of what's funny about this movie that's not Lena's voice. <laughs> so, I also, like, the, you know... It's also introduced the kind of how what a shitty person Lena is. Like she's very snobby. Um, she's not just ignorant and dumb, but she's also snobby and and uh, has opportunistic. Way too, yeah, and has way too high of opinion of herself. So right. it kind of kind of in the same way that Seinfeld and uh, uh, Always Sunny lets you kind of off the hook for wanting bad things to happen to these people. It's right. like well, they're shitty. Yeah. So exactly. you know, they're, no one's going to kill them. They're going to go to jail. They're just going to get comeuppance for their shitty behavior. Right. So. Uh, speaking of Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly, and my number six well, is make them laugh. No, I want to say one more thing. Oh, sorry. I also think it's brilliant the way they do the reveal of her voice because they build so much comedic tension with. You know, him coming and just like it's, it's very subtle at first how he's cutting her off and like speaking for her. Yeah. But it gets more and more blatant. You're like, what the hell? And right. then she opens her mouth like, what's that? <laughs> yeah. So you're prepared funny. to hate him for being the. Yeah. The man who's just shutting her up and he's right. just he's just being forceful. And it's like, oh, God, he's like your friend that man. tells you you really shouldn't try out for American Idol. Right. But she's delusional. Exactly, um, and in every way, like delusional about their fake tabloid romance, and you're right, and all that stuff. Okay, let's collectively praise Donald O'Connor now. The Make 'Em Laugh song. So number six for on my list, Make 'Em Laugh. Make 'Em Laugh, just like you talked about in Fit with Fit as a Fiddle, really highlights their skills together and how well they work together. Mm-hmm. Make 'Em Laugh was the only original song for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these other songs that were recycled through the MGM sort of uh, whatever catalog they have. Yeah. And this is something that I guess Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor and Stanley Donan and the the songwriters went to a room and he just did all kinds of pratfalls and, and things. And whatever got the biggest laugh, they worked into the song. Right. and And then what you get on screen is, is what you get, which... 
but here was brutal and really hard for Donald O'Connor. Yeah, no, I heard that too, that he um, was kind of like, had to check himself into like a hospital for stress or exhaustion or something. Yeah. After or just the had, of the he scene. had like a long period of bed rest afterwards, I think. Yeah. And there's a, a story that said that he liked to keep his energy up and this kind of like manic um, jittery quality that he smoked like four to five packs of cigarettes a day during the, the filming. Yeah. Which probably contributed to the bed rest and the bed rest, exhaustion. That's, yeah. that's gotta be get you there. my god imagine I, i'm surprised he didn't look wasn't looking like he was like a, a dirty diesel engine in this performance right you know the, the the prop comedy that he does here where he's got the hat and he's got the Pratt falls and the he's doll the, the dummy that he does this like routine on the couch with it's just so fucking funny in a very three stooges kind of way I found out in the commentary that he had never done a backflip before. Ooh. He actually just just said, well, I'm just going to, you know, this is the big finish. And um, he did it, you know? Yeah. He, he, that's, uh, did it. I, it's like, I, I wonder if he gets into like this competition with Gene Kelly. It's like, oh, you want to dance on the, a stool? You want to tap dance on a stool? Uh, I want to do a backflip. <laughs> exactly. you know? What do you think about that? So, and also this like is nice because it hits in a point where Don's feeling sorry for himself because Kathy has insulted his acting ability. And, um, you know, so like having this kind of like point, it, it makes, it makes story sense that these guys would break out in this particular song. Right. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. Okay. We're now somewhat synced or off the right amount of sync to where I can, I can, I can start throwing some curveballs. Uh, my number five, Moses supposes, my number five is would you? Uh, okay, so now we 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 found out where uh, would you is going to be in the deck. Wow, <laughs> you're yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a lot higher than than mine. That's the biggest surprise of the night. Uh, Moses supposes this is just a super fun scene that caps off a very fun scene of uh, Lena going meeting with her diction coaches mm-hmm. and trying her to get her to do the round sounds. I can't stand no, him. No, I can't stand him. And I can't it's, stand him. It's 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 so Perfect. so fucking good. And then <laughs> leading up to uh, Don and Kaz just doing unconscionable things to their diction coach. Like, do you want to? They yeah. use this man as a human prop for five minutes, just and just for amazing. their amuse- amusement. But and a, a true ode to uh, the 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 f- photography style of uh Gene Kelly moving yeah. with the with the dance. Yeah. Yeah, they changed the entire staging the so- shot and uh <laughs> dancing on the desk and Gene Kelly like I think this is the scene where his smoothness really It does. Just just the way he just he just compare him to Donald O'Sullivan or, or Donald O'Connor who is an accomplished dancer and a very funny man himself but just look at the different energy they're bringing to the table and she's just The way it works together, yeah. Amazing. Ah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So like try... he's like imagine if Don Draper Yeah. His character wasn't like human garbage dumpster fire and that he could dance like a god. And that is Gene Kelly in this scene. Yeah. And he's real. This was a real man. Yes. Y'all. He's, he's also he's also a real man. Uh, so, yeah. Moses poses. Put Do the big, big to... smile on my face. 
try your hand at some of these tongue twisters? Uh, Aaron with the famous tongue twisted tongue. No, because no. I, really? I can't roll. I also this guy's obsession with rolling well, all try of the this. R's. Sinful Caesar sipped his snifter, seized his knees, and, and shit his pants. <laughs> Let out that an ass sounds sneeze. painful, doesn't it? It, it sounds does. like it's uh, not going good places. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh you said your number five was Would you? Would you? Okay, so what's your number four? Moses supposes. Ah. His toeses are roses. My number four is all I do is dream of you. Oh. Uh I think this is peak Debbie Reynolds being so, so fucking cute. cute. And a couple things like so I just uh this commentary pointed out something that I mean I guess I saw but I I they asserted that there's a scene, the part of the scene where like Debbie Reynolds has got a streamer on her face mm-hmm. and she's like dancing with it, ignoring it, and she eventually kind of wipes it away and kind of like rolls her eyes. And they pointed out that like that's not scripted. That was like her natural reaction to being in that. Yeah. And that could be arguably seen as like a flubbed line, but it's right. very like a dance so in that situation is something they have to put up with, and it's just like the way she kind of dealt with it, kind of like ah, oh, this thing. It's it's really fun. It's really <laughs> it, it's really fun. Yeah, um, everything about it from her bursting from the cake to her little jump at uh, the end as they're running out of the room. Plus some of the really cute dialogue where Don's like, "Oh, now they know what I mean. I'd like to see a, or, or now no. they know where you live. I'd like to see you home." I'm talking about the giant <laughs> yes. cake. Um. Also, uh, Cosmo's egg that we searched every cake in town looking for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the, the prelude to this, which is Don being mobbed by the stars, Gene Kelly does this amazing stunt where he leaps from moving vehicles onto a cable car and then jumps in Debbie Reynolds' car. And as far as I can tell, that's him doing it. It's him doing it. That's him risking jumping from like a story and a half on the um, into a moving vehicle. No helmet. Yes. He's just fucking you know which is why no one asks him how you got that prominent scar on your face gene right, kelly <laughs> right yeah it's doing this kind of shit well uh, uh a stunt tried to hurt me once and it never did it again <laughs> uh, and she's just so and like also like it she's very very plucky and fierce like when she dumps in a jumps in a car and like don's moving in and like kathy notices it and then like pumps yes. the brakes on him hard yes and, and her like oh you know your acting's just a lot of dumb show it's mm. pantomimes you know and she does that kind of like mm. ah, oh, ah. and then she immediately busts out the here we are sunset in camden She's being so shitty to him, but serving it with such a helping of sunshine that he can't be mad. Right, right. And it's just, it's it's like she got a cake in her face when she jumped out of the other one at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, all that hot sauce I served came back cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing we got from the documentary or the commentary was that Don, after this party, Don leaves... And this was a, a cut scene where yeah. he leaves, goes home, and is sort of, you know, walking about his place, and he can't get this girl out of his mind. And he does a his own ballad version of All I Do Is Dream of You. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that. You know what? And we never will, because all the original negatives of this movie burned got burnt up down in a studio fire. He was smoking a cigarette while he was splicing film. Yeah. Like, we'll never... Like, there's so many of these cut scenes that, pro- that were filmed and were probably amazing. And the gone. DVD all should gone. be twice as good as it is, but we're not ever going to get... Those are just living in the, the memories of the people who made it. Yep. Um, I... 
I don't know what else to say about this except for Debbie Reynolds is the cat's meow. And <laughs> so what is your, what's your number four? My number four on the list of singing in the Roan, singing in the Singing in the Roan. Singing in the Roan moments, a Moses supposes. Okay, cool. Yep. Number uh, three? Number three. What's your number three? All I do is dream of you. All right. Mine is make him laugh. Oh, you wanted to know what my number three moment was? Yes. Not what I do of you every night. <laughs> it's dream of you. Uh, number two. Are you on? Yeah. Did you? Your number three? Yeah. I guess it's mine that turned for number two. Good morning. Interesting. Yeah. Singing I, in the I, Rain's my number two. I really agonized over number one and number two. No, yeah. actually, the, the, the whole top five was pretty tough. Yeah. But everything over Beautiful Girl was hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say that, like, this. Um, as far not just in terms of, like, the song itself, but the moments within each of these song and dance numbers. Yeah. Well, because it's, yeah, because that's the thing. It's, it's what took it over the top for me. Is singing the rain is a wonderful moment, and it's it's obvious it's my number one. But the reason I guess this is is, as high as it is, not just because Good Morning is an amazing musical number, but because the scene leading up to it, which is the disastrous screening of the Dueling Cavalier, Mm -hmm. is comedy that just fucking works. Like I, we were watching this with my dad and his girlfriend down in Florida last week observing international singing the rain day and my son had seen this for the first time and he was kind of drifting in and out like playing with his ipad but like this shit got him laughing because it's when this like it's already funny with the pearls and him throwing his cane <laughs> and her and slapping him with the fan by, yeah bopping him with the blackjack but when the sound goes out of sync and the you know the no 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 yes yes yes, yes. And then when a guy's head roars back and it slows down, he's like turning into a beast. It's so goddamn funny. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. And then Lena is completely oblivious. Like everybody else is cringing behind their raincoats and she's she I liked just, it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was it was a lot of fucking so fun. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to not talk about it being number one in terms of that, but it's it's a definite uh, argument. I'm yeah. We'll hear your argument for singing in the rain next. Good morning. So many different styles worked into this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the adorable kitchen dance where she bops from knee to knee. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, they're dancing up and down the stairs, the different like styles and, and the way they cultures that kind of... of the dance and the, and the raincoats and yes. hats. And they put on different raincoats and hats than yes. what they actually wore. It's it's it's. Oh, they do the jump over the bar and then back over and do the ballet ta- or the point scene. Uh, and then the, your favorite. Yeah, where they're bounding across the living room and they vault over like... Somersault over the couch the one time. But then they do this thing where it's like they treat the, the couch like a teeter-totter. Yeah. And it's just like, how do you get three people to hit that and do that so slow and smooth? Was it assisted? Did they just practice that much? Mm-hmm. It's just so, so much fun. It's so much joy. Um, they're so fucking good. Uh, the fact that she had never danced before professionally and she's keeping up with these guys... Um, and this is just amazing. Right. And this was supposed to have been the hardest thing for her to do. Oh, yeah. And there's just long takes like them going up and down the stairs and doing that, like, you know, sh- sh- 
there's there's just barely enough width for them all to dance on the stairs. And they're doing these weird like 45 degree angle shimmies and sh- that's like invading each other's spaces. And if anyone's like a half second behind in a footwork, right. everyone's falling down the staircase. Right. Amazing. Also, Donald O'Connor's tie is this fucking Technicolor rainbow, rainbow yes. peacock thing that I would kill three men for. I would kill three men for that tie. It's amazing. Also, um, I don't like the movie executive guy. I think he's very stiff and wooden, maybe purposefully so. Maybe right. he's doing a, a bit. And this is actually an allusion to a very famous uh, movie producer. Right. But he kind of redeems himself when he comes in. Hey, what's this wire doing? It's dangerous. And he pulls it and it's rigged up to Lena's shoulder and she goes flying. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is, I think, the funniest. Right. This is the funniest slash most fun stretch because this also book ends to my favorite singing in the rain okay like good like good morning or the the um the disastrous uh movie premiere good morning and then singing the rain all kind of is one unit and it's it's the high point of the film right so this song was originally when they first conceptualized the screenplay this song was supposed to be uh a trio piece with donald o'connor it's kind of the good morning uh, yeah, Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds and Gene Kelly, just like you see in the opening credits. The yeah, three yeah, of them yeah. dancing in the rain in the raincoats. That was right. supposed to be this, what this it, song was going to be. They're bummed out after the screening. They're walking the streets of L.A. It starts downpouring mm-hmm. and they Hollywood, yeah. They find the silver lining. And I think this kind of perfectly encapsulate what it feels like to be young and when your favorite guy or fella or lady gives you that goodnight kiss and you just have that kind of like floaty excitement, you just want to run and bust and it's just it's just pure joy. And um, Stanley, is that the is that uh, is that the director, the Stanley co-director, Donan, Stanley yeah. Donan, he said that this scene works like you can take this five minutes and show it to anyone out of context and people get it. Yeah. Like I understand exactly what this man's feeling and it works perfectly in context. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it, I think it's the movie's calling card and that's why, um, it's a bummer that the other three aren't in it, but it's the epitome of what he does with his prop work and his, his hat and the umbrella and the mm-hmm. water and the downspouts and the puddles. And, the fact that like they did all this tricky lighting so you could see the rain and the and fact that Kel I'm sorry, Gene Kelly was sick with a hundred and three degree fever right. and the flu throughout this entire filming process. Yeah, you can tell these are continuous one takes because you can see his suit getting progressively wetter yes. in real time. Yeah. It's it's so impressive. And then, you know, the cop comes in and studies have shown that forty percent of cops will just interrupt a Gene Kelly powerhouse musical number. Right. And the other 60% are lying. <laughs> so they, the, the, so many shutdowns go unreported. Uh, it, hashtag it, Gene Kelly dancing matters. <laughs> he fucking does. Um, I think that this is just, I don't know. I, to me, this just is kind of the movie. And you can say the same thing about Good Morning, and, and it's a kind of a coin flip about which one I prefer. Good if, Morning. If, Good is morning. Is the correct pronunciation? Oh, it's got the it's got the apostrophes. Yeah. Good morning. Just like singing in the rain. Ah, mm-hmm. see, I thought singing in the rain is actually spelled with the i n g. No, singing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I better check. Better check my podcast notes before I publish that. Yes. Uh, so this is kind of like we kind of want to get all of our thoughts from mm-hmm. almost a decade of watching singing in the rain, 
and uh, this is kind of kick off our international uh, observation of of uh, Singing the Rain Day. International and annual. March twenty fourth, twenty nineteen is and, everyone's lucky day. And I don't know, like I, at the bare minimum, next year I think I would love to like do a live watch of this movie on the day, yeah. like a yeah. public. Everybody's invited on Twitch live watch of this movie. Um, maybe we can get some other podcasters to talk about their experience with the film. Let's not build it up too much. I mean, yeah, let's not build it too year, much. Next year, we're going to talk about, for sure, doing a live watch. But yeah. uh, for right now, we wanted to get this podcast out and show our appreciation to the filmmakers. And especially especially Stanley Donan, who passed away, I think it was February, just a few weeks ago. Um, we appreciate everything that they've done to make our lives better. And we hope to see you all at the live watch next year. Yep. And until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya. I'm singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel. And I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds.